It is our pleasure to have one of our missionaries, Bob DePew, speak. Uh, Bob and Karen have served this church uh, since 1986. 1986. Uh, you can do the math. And uh, so it, they have served us. Bob grew up in Bolivia. And uh, they've been serving in Argentina for many years. They have planted multiple churches, working now to plant a church in Goja, Argentina. We have been praying for them. I know many of you have heard their names over and over again, seen their pictures. Uh, Many of you know them because when they return home, they are often able to be with us for extended periods of time. And we have the pleasure of having some of their kids, uh, particularly Dan, serve here. And so it's nice to have that anchor. But um, he'll be speaking to us, preaching the word to us this morning. And I just want to encourage you uh, to give of your, your, yourselves to the study of God's word with him this week. Uh, and, and keep in mind, uh, he is used to preaching and teaching uh, in Spanish. And I don't know how good your Spanish is. Uh, I know how good my Spanish is. Uh, it, it extends to like Yo Quiero Taco Bell. And that's all that I've got. Um, it's terrible. So I... You know, I am just so delighted that he is with us. Should I start in Spanish? <laughs> well, I'll do my best to speak in English. Um, speaking of Spanish, just yesterday, around 5 o'clock, we had a meeting in Argentina in Spanish. <laughs> we were here. <laughs> we didn't go back. But uh, thankful for technology, for uh, well, so many different ways that we can communicate and, and be with people all around the world in these days. And it truly is a blessing, a privilege to be back with you, to be here. Uh, We definitely were not planning to be back. (laughs) It was a very uh, surprise trip for us, and yet the Lord has been so good to us, and we are thankful for the opportunity to uh, just be here, to enjoy the fellowship, and to uh, have this time together. Let's open our, our Bibles to John 15. A passage of scripture, John 15, John 21, I'm sorry, verse 15. (laughs) And I want to, by God's grace, just go through this passage of scripture. It's kind of a challenge in the sense that it's very simple, very straightforward, and yet very meaningful. It should be very meaningful to each one of us. Uh, We know the scene. We know what's happening. Uh, Christ has risen. Uh, In the passage, it says this is the third time that he appeared after uh, rising from the dead uh, to the disciples. Uh, In the context, they had actually gone fishing (laughs) and uh, had spent the night fishing. And Christ appears there. Uh, We see there in some of these verses. uh, Well, let's just review a little bit here. After these things, Jesus showed showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. 
they went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. A typical fisherman's story. <laughs> How many times? I, I've enjoyed fishing. Uh, where we are in Argentina, we're along a good-sized river. And fishing is readily available. The river is only like two blocks away from where I live. <laughs> and every once in a while, I'll grab my fishing pole and just go down to the river and go fishing. And Karen can tell you how many times I come home with no fish. <laughs> but she isn't too upset about it because she doesn't care to prepare fish that much. So, But anyway, uh, fishing is a pastime, something that we kind of... Uh, Peter thought it was a good idea to go fishing. He was a fisherman by trade. So he goes with his, some of the others. Uh, we know that uh, James and John were also fishermen. Obviously, Andrew, uh, Peter's brother, was also a fisherman. Here also Thomas is mentioned. Nathaniel is mentioned. Some of the disciples. And they went with him. Verse 4 says, but when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? That's kind of a nice way of saying, have you caught anything? <laughs> uh, you know, is it worth uh, your fishing trip? Have you caught any food? Have you, do you have any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with the fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught, Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land, full of large fish, 153. You can tell they're a good fishermen. They had their story. <laughs> we caught 153 fish, and they were all this big. <laughs> 153. Although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you that when you come into our lives, things do change. And Father, I just pray, Lord, as we, as we look into this passage of Scripture, that you would challenge our own hearts to draw closer to you. Lord, that we would be challenged to love you more and more. You know our hearts. You know our thoughts. 
we come before you open, with open hearts, with a desire that you might use your word to challenge us and to draw us to yourself. Thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. That love that passes all understanding. Thank you for Peter, for his example, for his life. Father, I just pray that you would speak to us this morning as we look into your word now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In this setting of the fish, of having come to shore, having breakfast already made, (laughs) prepared for them, the Lord Jesus Christ challenges Peter, takes this opportunity. And we, as was already read there in verse 15, he just asked Peter this very piercing question. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? I would say that in the context, he was talking about the fish. Do you love me more than fishing? And he said to him, Peter answered and said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, he said to him, feed my lambs. You probably remember that when Christ first approached Peter before he became a disciple, Peter was also fishing. And in that instance, in that first situation, Christ also challenged Peter to follow him, to leave behind the, the nets, the fishing, and to become a fisher of men. And here Christ alludes to that again. Peter was not a shepherd. <laughs> he was a fisherman. And I would say that fishing and shepherding are very different <laughs> When he brought in that great catch of fish, it wasn't to take care of the fish in the sense of, you know, petting them or feeding them or, no, it was to sell them and and to to eat them. (laughs) And yet Christ challenges that Peter would feed his lambs, would become that fisher of men to lead them, to tend them, to be that shepherd and we know that Peter refers to himself as a shepherd in one of his writings in Second Peter. And yet the Lord challenges Peter here with this very pointed and direct question. Peter, do you love me? And I believe it's a question that we all need to ask ourselves. Do we love the Lord Jesus Christ? Are are we willing to follow him? At the end of verse 19, the last thing Christ says to him are those two simple words, follow me. And if we love the Lord Jesus Christ with all our hearts, the challenge is to follow him. Are we following Christ with all our hearts?
as I was preparing and just thinking about, obviously in this passage of scripture, three times Christ challenges the very same question. We know that not too long before this, uh, the night that Christ was betrayed and taken to be crucified, we know that three times Peter himself denied the Lord Jesus Christ. And ahead, later, uh, just turn with me quickly to Acts chapter 10, <clears throat> we see another situation where, par, where uh, Peter, I'm sorry, where Peter is also again challenged by the Lord, this time in a vision. And it's at, at the point where the gospel is going to be extended through Peter up until Acts, uh, yes, Acts chapter 10. Uh, the gospel basically had been limited, if you would, to the Jewish people there in Jerusalem and in Judea. But remember that Christ had said that when he ascended on high, he would send another comforter, the Holy Spirit, who would dwell within them, and they would be a witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And here in chapter 10, we have the story of Cornelius, who is, we consider, the first Gentile to come to know Christ as his Savior. And you probably remember, but starting in verse 9, uh, in, in the first eight verses, uh, the angel appears to Cornelius and he sends the man to, to look for Peter. And it says in verse 9, uh, Acts 10, 9, the next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, that is, the men who Cornelius sent to look for Peter, while they were coming, it says, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened. And an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill, and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord. For I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And the voice spoke to him again the, the second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done how many times? Three times. This was done three times. And the object was taken up into heaven again. Now while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, he had seen it how many times? He had seen it three times again. While Peter wondered within himself what the, this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the man who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, Three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, 
doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And while the story continues there, obviously he the next day leaves and goes and, and meets with Cornelius and Cornelius and that group of people of Gentiles, mostly Gentiles at that moment, uh, come to faith in Christ. And the church begins to extend itself, its borders, as it were, around the world. Or, well, slowly, but at least is beginning to, to branch out. But Peter, again, confronted by the Lord. And I don't know if you noticed there, but Peter said, No, Lord. I don't know if you realize, but that's really a contradiction. How can you say no to the Lord? (laughs) Lord means master. He's my owner. He's my master. And yet Peter says, no, Lord, I can't do that. I've never eaten those creepy crawly things before. (laughs) How am I going to start now? I'm kind of amazed at some of the creepy crawly things the kids eat nowadays here. All those sour uh, gummy, whatever they are, <laughs> in all kinds of shapes. And actually, I guess they're not that bad, but I, I think this was a little bit different. These were the real thing. <laughs> but anyway, Peter said, nah, not me. No, no thanks. <laughs> uh, I'll pass. <laughs> but Lord said, no, this is, he was challenging him. He was showing him that he needed to look up to the harvest field beyond the Jewish people. And we see that Peter obeyed, eventually. (laughs) Peter obeyed. But the Lord had to confront him, had to keep emphasizing. And I just thought it was interesting that, again, it was three times that Peter uh, saw that vision and the Lord uh, challenged him to, to look up to the harvest fields of the world and to consider that that glorious message of Jesus Christ was now literally for the whole world and not just for the Jewish people. Let's go back to John 21. Uh, We looked at verse 15, and we saw, uh, again, that the question from Christ. Verse 16 just basically repeats it again. He, Jesus, said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. So the first time it was feed my lambs, now it's tend my sheep. All to do with shepherding, with being a shepherd, willing to put behind him what he knew as a a fisherman to become that fisher, fisher of men, <laughs> not just a fisher man <laughs> of fish, and to follow him and to serve him. As I thought about the second one, the second time that Christ confronted Peter or asked him the same question, I asked myself, what, what does it mean to love the Lord? What does it mean to follow Christ? Christ. Is there a cost? What will it cost me? 
What will the challenges be? I thought about a story, and I'm not sure just how to maybe share this story, but <laughs> there was a couple, actually they were from this very church, who one day felt, or God called them, to go to the mission field. That couple went to the mission field to reach a tribal group of Indians in the jungles. And as they were serving the Lord there, reaching these very primitive tribal people, uh, they also had children. (laughs) They had a family. But being in the jungle, uh, those children became school age, and they were faced with a challenge. What should they do? There was no homeschooling way back then. But there was a boarding school about 150 miles away in the foothills of the mountains. And they sensed that the Lord was calling them to send their children to that boarding school. Those children were only six years old when they were sent away to school. And they lived eight months out of the year at that school And only went home for vacation for one month at Christmas time and three months during the summer months. You probably are guessing that I'm telling my own story. (laughs) Those people are my mom and dad, who are my mom and dad. They were sent out by this local church back in the 50s, early 50s. And my mother always said the hardest thing she ever had to do as a missionary was to send her kids away to school. And I can never remember one year I went to that school from first grade to 12th grade, 12 years of of schooling. I did it, well, not all of them because I did some of the schooling here. (laughs) I actually did sixth grade just down the road here. And then in my junior year of high school, I went to High Point Baptist Academy when we were on furlough. But all my other years, ten and a half years of schooling, I went away from home to a boarding school. But even when I was in 12th grade, graduating from high school, my mother wept when she had to say goodbye to us. And though in the jungle she faced very many hardships, my mother hated snakes. (laughs) And yet sometimes in the morning when she'd wake up, she'd find a black snake beside her bed. But she didn't really mind that. I mean, she didn't like it, but that was just part of life. Not that every day. It wasn't like she had a snake by her bed every day, but once in a while it did happen. And I grew up loving snakes. I loved to play with snakes. I brought snakes into the house, and she'd shoo me out of the house. And uh, Anyway, <laughs> but she always told us the hardest thing she ever had to do was to send us, us kids away. 
And I'm actually the fourth child of six. We were six children, six of us. All six of us were sent away from to school. Not because they didn't like us. <laughs> Not because they wanted to. You know why they did it? Because they loved Jesus. And they were willing to serve him to do what Jesus wanted them to do. Let's look at a passage of scripture that challenges us to be a follower of Christ and what it means to follow him. And that passage of scripture, one of many, but uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 10, is a passage of scripture that has challenged my heart many, many times. In this passage in, John, in Matthew chapter 10, is where Christ is calling his disciples, his apostles, the 12 men who would be his followers. And starting in verse 16, again, it's kind of a long passage, but in verse 16, Christ says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But... Beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit your but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. Now brother will deliver up brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in this city, flee to the other, to another. For assuredly, I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher, and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are, you, are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. Therefore, whoever confesses me before man, him I will confess before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before man, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. 
Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. A very challenging passage of scripture for us to consider. It does cost to follow Christ. I'm not saying that you need to take your kids to a boarding school. I'm not trying to, (laughs) that's not my point. But each one of us, when we choose to follow Christ, when we hear that call of God on our hearts, on our lives, there will be a cost involved in some way. And that is the challenge that Christ is presenting to Peter. Again, uh, in John chapter 21, uh, we don't know how much long after this. We, I, I don't think it was very much longer. We know that Christ uh, appeared uh, several times after his re- resurrection. Uh, we know that he was here on earth for 40 days. After 40 days, he ascended visibly, bodily, into heaven where he sat down at the right hand of the Father. And we know from our passage of Scripture here in in John 21 that this was at least the third time that Christ appeared to the disciples in in person after, after being resurrected. And these may have been the last words that Christ spoke with Peter personally. We don't know. We don't have that record. And yet... Christ challenged Peter with these words. Verse 17, again in John 21, 17, he he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. What is your response? If Christ were here today and asked you, do you love me? How would you respond? I truly believe that Peter did love Christ. (laughs) And he wanted, he had expressed He was the only one that stood up for Christ in the garden. Peter was the one that took out that sword and cut off the ear of the servant of the high priest. And yet, it wasn't the right time. (laughs) But you can't deny Christ's or Peter's love for Christ. We see that in the scriptures. And again, Peter wasn't perfect. He made mistakes. He stumbled. He fell. And yet he loved 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. In this very passage that we read, Christ actually tells him what he's going to, how he's going to die. I don't think I want to know how I'm going to die. I'm thankful that Christ or God doesn't tell each one of us years ahead of time how we're going to die. But he told Peter, Peter knew how he was going to die. He was going to die a martyr's death. He was going to literally lay down his life for his Savior, Jesus Christ. And he did, as far as the, history, with the church history that we have. We know that all of the disciples laid down their lives in martyrdom for Christ, except for maybe John, the author of this, who they tried to kill, but I guess they couldn't do it. How do you respond? Do you love Christ with all your heart? Are you willing to follow him? Am I willing to follow him? You know, following Christ is not just going to a mission field. That's not following Christ. I mean, it is if he calls you, but that's not the challenge. To follow him is to walk with him, is to love him. I think that's what we see here. Do we really love Christ? And when we love someone, one of the first things we're going to do is tell everybody else about it, aren't we? When I began to date my wife and fell in love with her, I wanted the whole world to know. (laughs) I let her parents know. I wrote them a letter and asked permission to date her, to court her, whatever you want to use. (laughs) I told my my family, my mom and dad were in Bolivia, in South America. I wrote them a letter. Way back then we had, we actually had, we didn't have email and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) We actually used letters. Do you know what a letter is? You have to put a stamp on it, you have to write out, and you have to lick it shut, you know, walk all the way to post office and put it in there. (laughs) That's what I had to do, but I was willing to do that. (laughs) And everybody around me knew that I was in love with Karen. Everybody knew that I loved her. And that's how it should be with our love for Christ. Others should know that we love Christ. Not just by our words, but by our actions. By how we live. And so this passage is a, is a challenge to my heart. You know, just because we are in Argentina serving the Lord, they're planting churches, I need to love Christ. <laughs> I need to follow him. I need to let others know of that love that I have for Christ. And that just as Christ has loved me and gave himself for me, He also died for the sins of the whole world. We need to give forth that message that people need the Lord Jesus Christ. And Christ showed his love by dying on the cross, by giving himself for us. So I need to follow him. I need to walk with him. And again, I've been challenged by the life of Peter by his testimony. It's a challenge 
to us to walk and to follow and to love Christ with all our hearts. Are you willing to follow him today? Do you love Christ? Do you love me, he says? And I think, again, that it's something that we just need to take time to think about, to meditate. I feel very inadequate in trying to convey <laughs> the urgency or just that sense of love. But I am very thankful that Christ loves me. He gave himself for me. And he gave me examples in my parents of that love. I never doubted their love for me because they loved the Lord Jesus Christ most of all. And many times their lives were at stake. Their lives were threatened. And yet they continued to love him and to serve him. And so this morning as we just close here with, again, just verse 17 reiterates again. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. And then in closing, verse 19, just those words. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, Follow me. Uh, let's see if I can find it quickly. I didn't write this first down, but in, in First Peter, I think it is, or Second Peter, uh, Peter challenges us there to follow the footsteps of Christ. Uh, let's see if I can find it quick here. First uh, Peter, Second Peter, chapter two. Oh, where is it now? I shouldn't have done this, huh? <laughs> And, yep, there it is. It's First Peter, First Peter 2.21. Let me read it for you first in Spanish. It says, Pues para esto fuisteis llamados, porque también Cristo padeció por nosotros, dejándonos ejemplo para que sigáis sus pisadas. In English it says for to this for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that you should follow his steps before I came a fisherman I was a hunter <laughs> growing up in the jungles of Bolivia the people that I grew up with were hunters and not fishers they didn't they, the area, the jungle area that they roamed in in Bolivia had very little uh, water, very few rivers and uh, no lakes, no ponds. And so they were hunters. They lived by hunting. And to be a hunter, you need to learn to follow, uh, what do you, how do you say it in English? Pisadas, um, prints, <laughs> uh, hoof prints. <laughs> Uh, tracks, thanks, tracks. And when I was a little boy, one of the things that we enjoyed doing was going into the jungle with my Indian friends, and we would look for jaguar tracks. 
Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen a jaguar, <laughs> but they're a pretty, pretty big cat. <laughs> and you know, I never found a jaguar, and I'm thankful I didn't. <laughs> but we did find the tracks. And that, that was one of the things that we enjoyed doing. We would literally, after breakfast, go into the jungle and, and look for jaguar tracks. Thankfully, jaguars are nocturnal. They come out at night. And when they were out at night, I was in the house sleeping. <laughs> I wasn't out in the jungle looking for them at night. But we would go and try to find their tracks. And sometimes we found their tracks. And my dad actually saw them in the jungle in real life. I never actually saw a jaguar. But uh, we would do it just for fun, look for jaguar tracks. The Indians were always looking for turtle tracks. Have you ever seen a turtle track on dry, hard dirt? Neither have I. I don't know how many times I would ask them, show me a turtle track, I want to see where a turtle went. And they'd walk in the jungle and say, a turtle just went that way. And I'd go and look all over the ground and get out a magnifying glass. I have never, I've seen turtle tracks in the sand on a river bank, you know, when they come out, kind of, the water turtles, when they come out and, and lay their eggs, uh, I've seen those tracks. <laughs> those are real obvious. But these were land turtles. They were the big rectangular ones. They got to be about this size. And they would go and gather them, and that was their main meat. We, we grew up eating turtle, uh, land turtles. Uh, it's very delicious, by the way. But anyway, being a hunter... We had, you had to identify, you had to know whether it was a jaguar or whether it was a turtle. There's a big difference. I've never heard of anybody being mauled or attacked by a turtle. But I have known people that were attacked by jaguars. There was a man in the village that when he was younger, he had been attacked by a jaguar. His face was permanently scarred. His nose, his mouth, his eyes were all turned to one side. And you could see the four claw marks of that jaguar's across his face. And every day I saw that man. <laughs> and I thought, I don't want to come across a jaguar. <laughs> but to this day, I enjoy hunting. And uh, another game that we would look for were wild pigs in the jungle. And we would find, they're easy to find because they're usually in muddy, uh, watery places. But anyway, when we follow Christ, we need to follow his footsteps. We need to follow where Christ is leading us and guiding us. And his footsteps are right here. You say, well, where, where do I find? How do I know if that's Christ? Well, just follow this. <laughs> right here are his tracks. These are his footsteps. And he wants us to follow him. And I can guarantee that when we walk with him and when we follow Christ, first of all, we will know that he loves us. And he gave himself for us. He will never take us somewhere where he won't go with us. So I just hope that you've been challenged today to first of all examine your own heart. How would you answer that question that Peter was asked? 
The Lord himself asked Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? And all three times, Peter answered, said, Lord, you know that I love you. And I trust that's your response today, that you can, from your heart, say that you love the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. Thank you for who you are, Lord. Thank you for your love that passes, surpasses all our understanding. Your love is so deep and so wide that we can never escape, we can never go beyond. There is nowhere where we can go and escape your love. And yet we are challenged by your love. We are challenged to love you as you have loved us. And Father, you know that we fall far short. And yet we thank you that you continue to love us. You do not give up on us. You never gave up on Peter. And we thank you for that. Thank you for Peter, for his life, for his love for you. May we follow hard after you. May we follow in your footsteps. May we seek you out and walk with you with all our hearts, with all our lives. Thank you for this morning, for this time of being together in your word. May you go with us. May we be challenged throughout this day and through the week, Lord, to to contemplate your love for us. And we ask this all in the precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.